BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey everyone, it's Yasser and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialing a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now, these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Gerard will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome this evening. Um, obviously, as you guys will be aware, me and Gerard have been putting on a, a number of spaces over the last few months and probably more than a year now, to be fair. Um, but obviously, this will be the first of a new series that we're doing as part of an accredited CPD series on developing a game model. So tonight's topic is why do I need a game model? Gerard, I'm going to hand it straight over to you. Why do I need one? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a huge topic. And I, I think the biggest thing to start with is that it gives us a framework and a, a flexibility to go off, you know, because you have to have a very clear identity in how you play. Like even now, you know, I'm coaching this U9 team. We want to, when we're losing the ball, we want those habits. We want those details around, you know, pressing and reaction, principles of how we win the ball. He's offside! No, he's just gone past the halfway line. Yeah. Linesman! <laughs> but yeah, defensive principles. And again, you know, when you get the ball, how are we breaking lines? You know, I think it's the biggest thing is we've got to have that detail and that that, that framework, you know, because if there isn't a game model or a framework to go off, then, you know, it's very difficult for teams to know what to do. Yes! We just scored. Yeah, that's how you do it, Yaz. Over to you. <laughs> 
No, I think I think it's a great point. I think you know, obviously, having that framework in the game and the game model, and like I said, you, you know as well as I do, um, I'm not really a big fan of the, the word or the, the, the terminology there. But fundamentally, the framework is what we need. So I think it's you know, doing, in developing it, why do I need it? It's really key because obviously, working across different age groups, working you know whether you're working in the foundation phase, you're working in youth development phase, professional development phase, or senior football, there needs to be a f- a plan or a plan of action to fall back onto and that's where fundamentally the game model comes in, right? It's almost a, a reference point so that your players have a clear structure and outline of where to go with what they're doing on the pitch. Um, and in many respects, if, if, if at all the plan isn't going ahead, it's just almost a reference point to go back to and cross-check, actually, are we doing what we set out to do? And what are the fundamental differences from what's actually happening and what we said we're going to do and then what actually informs that? So within that then, um, do you think? I mean, do, would you agree, or would you maybe have a different view of view of things in terms of when a game model should actually come into play? Should it all? I think it's play? I think you've got to have a very now a lot different at each ages, you know. But I think at every age there should be a, a clear idea. Offside, ref, linesman. Sorry, mate. We've got. Um... <laughs> Can you hear me? Okay. Typical referee. Yeah, I've got you, mate. Um, a bit so of background noise, but it's all yeah. Good. We're in the final going for it. They've just come back 1 1. So um, I think at every age, like even now, like I'm coaching uh, what will be a foundation phase now, right? There's still got to be a very clear identity, clear framework in how we play. Good 1v1 pressure. Like there, Abram recognizing can we put pressure on the ball, principles of play, and he's pressed high, you know, and he's won it. It's, and he's, he's and regained the ball as high as you possibly can. There's got to be an identity, otherwise the players don't know what to do. But then it'll look different. I think for the for the younger age groups, it's got to be like how we build the attack, dominate the attack, finish the attack. Simple messages, right? And then equally, when we haven't got the ball, how we stop them from playing forward, how we protect the half, protect the goal. But then in the 11 v 11 game, more performance model, maybe similar to what I was at Morocco, you know, it might be... He's off again. It's okay. Um, it might be more where it's like build up, rotation and balance, penetration and finishing in terms of a, 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 a phase of how you build the, the attack. Because the rotation, the balance and the movement off the ball is key, right? Like now you're going into more advanced principles. I think that's where we've got to have that detail, Yaz. You know, for the younger ones, it's got to be more your basic principles, your global stuff. For the, for the off the ball, Trevor. Um, um, for the older age groups, I think that's when you go into like your sub principles and your sub sub principles. Yeah, no, I fully get you. So I guess you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here then and ask yourself, you know, and even for anyone in the room listening as well, whether you've got any thoughts on this. If we've got a game model, we're starting off having a game model from early on. Could we be potentially in danger of teaching teaching players or helping players understand that a less universal, shall we say, a more a more individualized way of working and play understanding how to operate within the game, rather than well, at an early it age? Depends how you coach have... it, though, doesn't it, mate? I think like if you're if you're like imposing the adult game upon the players, right? Um, then. Yeah, like it's tough because you you might get rid of that creativity. 
Um, like now, I just seen our centre back get the ball and he's played forward, broken a line. Like that's important, right? So he's got the ball now and he's playing forward. He's done it again. He's just broken two lines. That's what you want. Now, there are things where I'm all for, you know, we've got to say, oh, let the game, you've got to figure it out. They do have to figure it out. But at the same time, you have to give them support and a, and a framework to know what to do and, and just exploit principles. Play the game because I've seen coaches go the other way, Yars, where it's like, hey, do whatever the hell you want. The kids don't know what they're doing, but then they try and mask the excuse of, oh, they're young, they're still figuring it out. Well, no, actually. like, you can't. So it's a fine balance between imposing the adult game on them and premature professionalism, and then that balance of like giving them the creativity and the freedom to, to, to develop. But I've been to know what other people think as well. Don't let him play forward. Abram, you've got to get back into defence. Abram, Abram. I know, I know. I'm just trying to manage it. Gideon, come up. Yeah, and no, I think it's a great point, Gerard. I think, you know, for me, I'm looking at it and just saying to myself, well, you know, having a game model has got to be quite prescriptive in many respects. And I think when you start to think about that from a younger age group, are we really allowing them to have that creativity and freedom? I get you, you know, I get what you're saying that it depends how we coach it. But fundamentally, I think if we started to tell them there's a specific way of playing um, or there's a way in which we want to play at a younger age group, are we really supporting them? Are we at risk of maybe premature you know prematurely treating them as professionals or you know seniors in in the game if you like or are we better you know better place at a younger age to just ignore this piece around the game model ignore the piece around we have a set way of playing but more specifically just go back to well just teaching them the principles of the game really and obviously you know recognizing that if they've got those fundamental principles then when they are then ready and able to kind of really take on board tactical information and look at that piece because the other side is as well right you can teach them the game model and if they don't have all the necessary understanding of the principles of play itself will they recognize how to fit in and fit out and look at where the principles fall in across different ages and stages of their development but also across different contexts and moments within their games No, it's a good point. It's a good point. And I think this is why it comes back to that point, right, Yaz, of like, why do I need a game model? And obviously, we'll go into, like, how do you develop it? But I think the why is that we've got to be able to create a framework where players know what to do and how to do it. But ultimately, the game belongs to players. So they have to make the decisions, you know. They have to be able to make the decisions of when to pass, when to move and that type of thing. Yeah, most definitely. They will obviously they'll be the decision makers out on the pitch. But fundamentally, if we're teaching them that, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, a game model is almost some patterns that that are consistent with the way a team plays and the way that a team wants to play, right? Um, but if you coach the game model, it might not always be um, something that follows the principles of the game. And fundamentally, the principles can demonstrate themselves and exhibit themselves in whichever way. They see fit based on the you know, the decisions of the team or the people that are operating within them, right? So, for instance, in Guardiola's case, he looks to use a load of short passes rather than direct, going direct to engage opposition and maybe create the space to potentially go in behind or play in between the lines and whatnot. But now, obviously, that dynamic's completely changed um, with Haaland coming in. 
you know, you know, he saw early on when Haaland was coming in. Yes, he scored a couple of goals, but probably weren't utilising him to his maximum capacity, in the sense that there was less balls going in behind when he first came in, as opposed to was the back end of last season, where now all of a sudden they're seeing actually we've got, you know, we we didn't have that option before. So now that we've got the option, we need to try and utilise it. Whereas prior it was right, shift the ball left, shift the ball right. Let's look for opportunities to build up slowly and build up through the thirds or whatever that might look like. With your Haaland in there now, they've got the option there to stretch the opposition, potentially even giving themselves more space in the central midfield areas and the wide midfield areas, but also giving them that threat in behind, right? Because they've got the player running behind. But if fundamentally, if we go back to the younger age players, the foundation phase, if they understand actually there's game principles to operate within rather than a game model specifically, then they'll get better at applying and, I guess, applying principles to the context of the game model, but also into the context of the game itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, as I was going to ask you, you know, what's everyone else's thoughts on this? I'd be curious to know, across other age groups, you know, do you guys have a game model? Do you guys work in different ways? How do you work? That was my question was, you know, to get that engagement from the room. What does it look like for you guys in, in your environment? Just while we're waiting for that, Yaz, if anyone wants to come in, feel free to unmute yourself. You know, we'd love to hear from you guys how you play and, you know, what models are in your environment. Yaz, I'm curious from your end, you know, you, in your club and your role currently, what, do the, what does the game model look like across your age groups and is there a difference for different age groups? Is there a difference? Yeah, and no, I think it's a good question. I think um, first and foremost, it's probably worth highlighting that the age groups at the club are all in the YDP, so they all play 11 v 11 football at this stage. Um, so from that perspective, it's fairly consistent in terms of what the expectation is. Whether it actually gets um, implemented by the players in, in, involved is obviously a slightly different discussion in the sense that some of them may have a better understanding of it, some of them are used to it because they've been in the process for a little while and some of them are brand new to it. So I think it's that piece around blending the game model to suit the needs of the players um, or rather blending the players into the game model that's currently set up, but also recognising that you might need to make some subtle differences based on the you know, the profile of the players that you've got in your group, right? So if I go back to that Haaland example, you know, they've had to change the way they've played, but for the better for themselves, even recognising they've got a different uh, profile of player that they didn't necessarily have before. So they had the likes of Aguero, the likes of, you know, who, whoever else played up top for them, but just it wasn't it wasn't Haaland fundamentally. So coming back to your question about the club, I think there probably really isn't an outright game model other than just literally can we get the players to recognise the principles in, in, in context? Can we get them to recognise in every moment of the game where the priority is to penetrate and go forward? It doesn't mean go direct, but the priority is and fundamentally can we get closer to the opposition goal in every action that we take? 
whether that's a pass or a dribble. Um, and a key focus around that is actually in every action that we do um, take, can we commit an opposition player out of their position first? So the, I guess in that sense, kind of the fundamental priority for all the players, regardless of what area on the pitch they're in, is drive the ball forward, engage an opposition player before releasing it or, or, or before you decide to take them on. Um, but they need to be engaged before you release it. And that's kind of the fundamental principle of what, what they do there. So I don't know if that gives you any insights on that, though. Yeah, I think I lost you there, mate. No, it makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is if we're talking about why do we need one, it's got to be that it's a, it's, a, it's a framework. Like, first of all, what is a game model? It's a theoretical framework that gives our players an identity of how we want to play. And I think we've got to look at that in terms of the detail across every age group. So do we have a clear identity of how we want our teams to play? And then obviously, how do you, to address the why, you've got to address the how. So how do you play it? How do you play within your game model? How do you develop players' individual understanding to be able to, to make those actions? I think that's the key. Yeah, but surely within that, right, you're looking at how, how you implement it, how you engage the players in the process. I mean, do you think there should be like a prerequisite to understand whether the players are actually ready for it, whether there should be a game model in place just yet? I think, you know, fundamentally, a lot of people will probably say that you do need a game model. You need a point of reference, as you put it earlier, but or a framework, rather. But at what stage should they start to kind of engage in that process? And what are the prerequisites for them to be ready for it, do you think? It's great that we've got someone who wants to come in, so I will get you in. I think the biggest thing is just as a prerequisite, yeah. there's almost got to be that, like, what's their cognitive age as well as their playing age, like the format of the game, and it's just making sure that it's simple for the players to understand. But Slack, you know, come in. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, good, good evening, everyone. Uh, just a quick one. Uh, I was got to just make sure that you understand my work at the minute, so I won't speak for very long. But I think... Uh, Game model is important, in my opinion, at the very top of the game. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it's very important at the very top of the game for one simple reason. Uh, that at the very top of the game, you're working with the elite players, you're working with the players that you recruit to actually fit within or fit in within your philosophy, within that framework uh, of, of what, you, what we call game model. But I think uh, when it comes to youth football or, or when it comes to you know lower, lower leagues or lower levels of football, I think it's a lot more about having to um, sort of use the, the the strengths and weaknesses of your players or strengths of your players to actually fit in within the group or fit in within the way that you actually want to play or, or not the way you want to play, but the way that they can play rather than the way you want to play, if that makes sense. Um, so I think... I think for me, having a game model just across the board, just I, I mean, it's a great thing to have as a framework. You could you could use that as a philosophy, rather. I'd say, you know, my philosophy is to play this way and that way and the other. But the ability of the players dictate what I can do, what I cannot do. So I've looked at very 
few examples uh, at the very at the very top of the game where actually game model does work because they have the means or they have the 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 the, the players to actually carry out that sort of you know that that game model for them because they're recruited exactly to that they recruited exactly the profiles of players are recruited exactly to carry out that game model i mean i agree with gerard was saying that it could be used as, as as a guide yes but i think a philosophy can be used as a guide as well so having a philosophy if you want to play however you want to play can be can be as a guide but then you know you got to be careful of using the game model from a very young age especially uh you know um foundation phase and ydp or even senior football at, at lower leagues where you really have a players of a different uh, uh, different abilities and and different profiles that they're not probably even kind of or will not probably even fit within the game model that or the ideal game model that you have unless unless you have in my opinion this is just what I do personally unless I have an evolving one I'm constantly changing according to the needs of the players other than me just want to play a certain way and this is the only way I'm going to do it. And we see that a lot in, in non-league football, especially. This is my way or no way. And then you have a game model and you have a players that are done at 15. And then you end up with a lot of other issues and problems. Or with youth football, it's a very similar, I think, very similar issues as well. So, yeah. Then what's your take on that? So, Slaw, just to, just to clarify, then, are you saying that you should have a game model or that you should have a, you should have a model that's adaptable or rather you should have a series oh, of models? I don't think, yes. I think it's necessary to have a game model when you're working at lower level football or when you're working with youth football. But I think you could have one that is evolving or that is a changeable. But the problem is with people having an evolving one, it's like having an, uh, an evolving philosophy almost, yeah. you know. So are you, are, you, are you saying then, I, you know, I guess at a lower level or grassroots or even, yeah, just lower level generally that you could probably have a game model, one that's more streamlined and it's just more, fun, you know, a skeleton of it rather than the full thing. Yeah, correct, correct. Exactly what I'm alluding to that. Obviously, when you look at the high level, like the peps, and you look at the top guys at the very top, obviously, they have a game model, and then they will carry out that game model, whether they are, for example, Pep Guardiola's case, whether he's at Barcelona, whether he's in, in, in uh, Bayern Munich or Man City, whatever, you see the footprint, if you like, of of, of the of the uh, of, of him, basically. You know, that's, that's his, his blueprint, basically, right? But I would call that a game model. But a game model, that obviously at our level, the level that obviously we, we're talking about at the minute, uh, uh, most of us are coaching at. I think it is not really something that is, for me, it's not something that is necessary at all. Uh, probably philosophy would be more like it than, you know, having a philosophy that is evolving and adaptable more than having just a game model to, to just follow. Um, I don't know what you think. Yeah, so obviously you mentioned that obviously, you know, having the players at the top end of the game because you've got the recruitment, you've got the money, everything to go with it and fit the Specifically, but um, I guess my question to you would be: At what stage would you have even would you consider bringing it in, if at all, in youth, youth football? Would you would you would you bring it in at any stage, or would you just strictly just strip it back and say, right, we've got a, a certain way we want to play, but that's as far as it goes, if that makes sense? Yeah, I, I think philosophy for me personally, philosophy is more is more close to 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 that, and I think from working in category three, category four academy. For example, with with youth players, I think it's you know game model um, from the foundation phase up to the 18s PDP. Maybe PDP could be a bit more close to the to the first team rather, and and they have a lot a bit more influence on on that. But I think the rest of them 
foundation phase, YDP, it'd be more about a philosophy than anything else and saying, oh, this is the way we're going to play, this is how we're going to do it. Because you're always going to understand that you will have to deal with, you know, uh, 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 learners. You, you're dealing with learners. You're not dealing with the players that are actually fully developed yet, but you're dealing with learners that actually, you know, one day they are, you know, at the top of the game, second day they're actually struggling with certain aspects and you haven't to actually sort of strip things back and, and go back to basics sometimes just to help them improve and to help them kind of like, you know, uh, uh, adapt. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So then my question to you then off the back of that is, what what would you coach your players at foundation phase and, and what would you layer on top of that once they enter the youth development phase or where would you start to layer things on top? I, I think it depends on the level you're working at. So if I wasn't a, you know, uh, a, a professional club and obviously they have things that they're working with and, and things that they do, and I'm going to have to kind of buy into that and, and adapt into it. But I think PDP is more like it. Um, professional development phase uh, onwards, um, uh, more like it. And even then, I think it should be a lot more flexible as well, unless you are at the very top, like I said, where you have all the sort of, you know, <laughs> if you, you have all the, um, you know, all the necessary stuff up there and, and obviously you have the money to spend, you recruit according to your philosophy, you recruit according to your game model and so on. Um, other than that, I think I'd rather be a bit more flexible and, and kind of, you know, a bit more, um, you know, kind of easy with it, really. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. Um, Gerard, just just a quick question for you then, you know, on, on that. You've talked there about having a game model right throughout the process. Slaw's obviously saying, you know, maybe strip it back and just keep it keep it to the fundamentals and allow them, really allow them some more creativity around the basic philosophy that's been put in at the club. You know, what what, what does that look like for you at your your club? You know, you're obviously working with the underlines now at this tournament. How how do you guys do things? Sorry, could you repeat that a little bit? Could you put a yeah, so just obviously, you know, Slas talking about, you know, possibly not having a game model until you get to that kind of PDP senior level. Um, and even then it's questionable whether, depending on what level you're actually working at. But, you know, obviously you working in the environment you're working in, where, where you're kind of director or coaching, you're working right across the spectrum. How does that work in your environment? And how does that then layer on into what happens in the YDP as opposed to the foundation and the PDP as opposed to the previous phases itself? Obviously, the detail might get a bit more specific and a bit more granular. But is there a clear game model working across the whole whole spectrum of age groups that you got? Well, we have it across all age groups. So we have like a, a framework that we show the coaches for every age group of how we want to play. But then we simplify it for the foundation phase. Well, we talk more about building the attack and finishing the attack. And then it's just little principles within that. Um, and we don't go really beyond like, how can we play those forward passes? How can we break lines? That, that's it. Like it's, it's very simple for U9 just because of where they're at in the journey. Like we want, we want the teams to play quite expressive, attacking. You know, so like typically in a shape, it'll be a one-two-three-one. In animation, it'll change. You know, centre back will join into midfield. We'll have a lot of fluidity, and we want the kids to to do that because we want them to create and score goals and get confident on the ball, stay on the ball, dribble play the way out of trouble and then as it goes into like YDP and PDP that's when it goes more around positional understanding and you know rotational movements and things like that yeah sure so I'm just thinking out loud then obviously you know going through that at a senior level fundamentally the game lo- the game model will be deemed successful if the, if the results are there how, how do you gauge success of your game model in that process 
Joe, are you there? Yeah, sorry, just breaking up. Yeah, I was just saying, obviously, you know, at a senior level, we'll be looking at game model and the successes of a game model are fundamentally evaluated off the results that you're getting you know, on the pitch in particular. But in, in, you know, I guess in your structure, how do you evaluate whether the game model is actually being applied successfully and whether there is actually success being achieved with it? Because fundamentally, thinking about the results, how does, how does it attach itself to development in that respect? Well, I think we measure it by looking at like how many passes are we finding the free player? Do we play forward a lot? How many passes are breaking lines? Like that's a big one for us because one of our game, one of our principles in possession is breaking lines. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Want to break lines, want to play forward. So we can measure that quantitatively, you know. And I think, you know, for us, it's then when it's PDP, you look at more like positional details and, again, your rotational movements. I mean, we, we're actually going away from pigeonholing players in positions. We want them to, to play in any position so that they can develop those adaptable qualities because we want it so that, you know, within, a, within our framework, if you like, they know how to, how to move, how to exploit space irrespective of whatever system of play we're playing and that's where we're getting the success that's how we measure it because we're looking at going well if they can do this in different shapes and systems we know it shows that there's some understanding yeah no if i, if I get that i'm just i'm just now i'm just now thinking to, my, to myself are, are we not in danger of then if, if following that process we're potentially going down the route of creating jack of all trades and master of none potentially no if anything I think I think good that's a goal well done sorry mate this is brilliant this is real life action and um, I think if anything it more like now let's use this as an example right this is live this is good for people to hear I'm coaching you nines later on I'm coaching you elevens later on I'm coaching you nineteens so you've got that continuum we're 4-2 down we've just come back now 4-3 but we've got movement off the ball. We've got different positions. Like, if anything, I think it's creating more specialists. 
because what you're doing is you're developing players who can search, discover, and exploit space, and you know have the confidence and the technical proficiency to play anywhere. And that means that then they're adaptable to, to any system of play versus saying you can only play as a number two, you can only play as a number seven. Well, you're potentially pigeonholing them then, you know, making them less specialists, I would think. Slide, just a quick one to you then, obviously off the back of what Gerard just said, that, you know, you mentioned that you wouldn't necessarily put in a game mode at younger age groups. You, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think they're... they're or Gerard saying that you know fundamentally that it will create more specialists. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, sorry, I think I lost you for a couple of minutes there, so I didn't hear the full um, uh, sort of what Gerard just was saying. But I've I've got a bit of it um, now. He's spoken about you know breaking it down at the beginning. He said breaking it down and and simplifying it to younger players, and I think that then we're not talking about game model anymore. Um, so game model is a blueprint of how you want to play. That's exactly how you want to do things simplifying it, basically stripping it back, which what we spoke what I said earlier on, and obviously you, you mentioned that stripping it back to simplify it for players and, and try to help them develop. Um, so I think, uh, is it really, I mean, the question is, is it really still a game model now or is it not, or is it a flexible one? Or is it just that going back to just a basic, what we used to call, what we normally call philosophy of playing um, or, or whatever it is that clubs call it? Um, so that's that's the first thing um, because my understanding and I could be wrong of, of game model is is the blueprint how you want to play that's exactly how you do things in terms of specialising um, you know within I mean this is a topic that obviously has been talked about for so long um, yeah, I understand and I believe that obviously Jorad is obviously with the experiences he's got uh, what, a lot of this what he said he makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of you know um, having the freedom and allowing what what we call probably independent operators, players who could actually play and think for themselves um, within that framework. Um, but yeah, I, I I do also agree of not actually allowing you know um, them to specialise at very early age in terms of positions and in terms of you know. But again, if you're actually talking about academy football or you're talking about youth football as well, no matter what level it is, isn't it also dangerous? I mean, the question to ask as well, isn't it also dangerous to actually work with the what we call uh, these game models um, in, in a specific way that players only know how to do only that? Or do we just allow them to just explore various ways of playing, different ways of playing and different ways, essentially different ways of thinking and, and obviously, within that, it comes that, all that decision-making um, stuff that comes with it. I, I, th- I think you're spot on, Slav. I, mean, I actually agree with you in the sense that I think I think we do need game models. Um, maybe not necessarily foundation phase and possibly probably not even until 11 v 11, really, because by the time they start playing 11 v 11 football, we typically get most players who are... I don't want to say pigeonholed into positions, but they start to identify themselves as certain in certain areas of the pitch, right? Where I think then a game model might actually be useful for them, especially if they're looking to go through that system. It might be slightly different if you're working in grassroots football. You know, as you well know, different clubs operate differently. Even in one club in grassroots football, you could have every single team playing slightly differently, um, depending on how well aligned they are. So I think in that respect, I mean, my view, my view personally is that we always need to go down the route of just teaching the players the principles of the game first because it kind of links into what you were saying and allows them to play in different systems 
in different positions potentially by understanding what the game principles are. So then they can maybe draw the connections between whatever game models they might actually propose on at any given stage in their journey, but align that to the actual principles of the game and fundamentally work to that. Naturally, you know, by its pure nature, I believe that that will make them more flexible and adaptable to different systems and different teams and even different um, opponents and leagues that they might play in. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, though. I think it's interesting that just coming in real quick, I love the comments that Sam made there. I think, I think it's interesting that he said, like, you don't feel we need a, a game model at Foundation Phase or YDP, because I'd probably say we do. You know, but it just, what does it look like? Yeah, I mean, I think there there is some benefits to obviously because they can have a clear direction in, what, in terms of what they want to go into, right? But I think it's it's coming back to that question: are we are we trying to develop players to become self sufficient or follow a specific process? And you know, in in the fact that it's a game model, because fundamentally, if it is, then you want them to play a certain way, right? So it comes back to this last point about the playing philosophy piece: is it really that we that we want them to play a certain way? Is there a game model and a strict kind of blueprint, as Slar put it, or? Actually, if we, co- you know, like as I said, if we coach the principles of the game, um, and then get them, maybe through some, you know, through some Q and A, through some guided discovery, or even just through some different means, get them to draw the links to what that looks like as a principle, and how that then links into where we where we want them to fit in with how we play as a club or an environment. So I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure whether the, you know, personally whether we should be having game models at such young ages, but. Obviously, your experience is slightly different to that. I'm curious, Joe. You know, obviously, you you know you had your experiences back in Morocco as well. What 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 were the processes like there? And obviously, you had a massive part to play in the development of that. I w- I would say I, the reason why I say you've got to have one is because I just think it it can't be premature professionalism and it can't be treating them like adults. But it's having a clear identity and how you want to play. And I think for coaches, if you've got that, kids will respond better. And in Morocco, you know, we very much built it around what are the strengths and the culture of the, the, the club, you know, and, and that type of thing, like the, the country, like what makes us Moroccan, what are our strengths? Um, and then I'd say for sporting, I adapted it again, you know, where it was more, okay, very different. What's the culture like in the Midwest, in the United States? What are the culture like the players here? You know, that type of thing. So, Slard, just you know, I'll, I'll extend that question to you. Is obviously you've had experiences coaching abroad as well as obviously in the UK. What are your experiences abroad in and how that's approached is it even a consideration? Did it, you know, is it something that's even discussed? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think I agree with Joel there um, on on the culture bit. Um, I think it is important. I think it is important to uh, to adapt to the culture, and some cultures actually have. Uh, uh, or see things in a different way that we see it and, and hence why as coaches we're always learning always evolving and always kind of you know learning uh, uh, you know uh, better and more sufficient ways to deal with different um, different plays different cultures and, and, and different parts of the world um, yeah I, I do agree but I think if we I mean obviously my understanding personally about talking about this topic in particular which is you know having a um, it's just cross-board kind of, you know, 
a, a blueprint, if you like. It is a great idea. I mean, I'm not going to sort of say it's not, it's, it's something that probably is, is good base to work from, but I think we've got to be very, very careful uh, of actually uh, implementing it in the way what Gerard just said, is what, what would be kind of like, you know, young professionals, treating them like young professionals. I think, um, yeah, obviously, I mean, there are ways, there are different ways of working. I've worked in places where people just work off the cuff. And then when you ask why, you get too many different answers. Um, I, I, the most common answer is that's, that's what they need at the minute. And, and I've worked in places where people, uh, you know, work more structured way. And I think probably that's, for me, probably that's the better way. Um, at least, like Gerard was saying, just gives you a bit of an idea of where you're heading, where you're going. Whatever you do within that, that's the only thing I've got with it, is whatever you do within that, you've got to be very, very wary and very careful of how you treat young players and how you kind of, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, pass the message to them that obviously you don't end up treating them as, um, as young professionals. Where, where does that stop? Because I'm now having a conversation with several coaches recently that actually I think, depending on the type of environment you're in, whether it's a recreational one or whether it's a quote-unquote high-performing one, that you know, as soon as you start to approach 14, 15, 16, actually they probably do need a game model. They probably do need that clear direction of what how they want the team to play and what the team should be doing so that they can prepare themselves for an environment that might expect that of them when they go into senior football. Yes, the, the game model, I mean, the game model, is it, I mean, some, I think there's a mix-up with a lot of people, uh, I've spoken to a lot of coaches, there's, there's a bit of a mix-up of actually understanding. Does the game model have to do with the coach and, and, and or the club and what they believe is, is the correct way or the best way of playing or developing players, or is it to do with the players and what you've got in your hands? I think that's what I spoke earlier about the flexibility and being flexible and, and, and in your approach, uh, um, uh, at least the way I've, I've done things, the way I do things. Uh, I do it based on what I've got, not based on what I only believe. I might believe X, Y, and Z is the best, but then the players cannot do X, Y, and Z. They can only do A and B. So I'm forced to actually adapt it to theirs. So you see, you see, you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, but fundamentally you're going to have... I mean, so what you're saying essentially, if I'm not, if I'm not misunderstood, is that depending on the environment you're in, depending on the players you've got, that will dictate how you're going to play. Fundamentally, in, even in that, you'd have a game model that your players are adapting to or playing to or playing to or working towards, right? And I think that's where your piece about the evolution of it or the, the evolving element of the game model or the philosophy, as you put it, um, comes in, right? Because you have to now look at what you've got, deliver that, implement that. And if your players aren't aligned to the profiles of what you need for that to operate then you're going to look to make adaptations on that. But fundamentally, I think if you go back to what you said earlier, you know, looking at the game model as a blueprint, well, the blueprint is there for the players to follow, whether that's an evolving game model or a set one, whether it's by the coach or the club, um, there's something for them to follow, surely, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the blueprint for me, uh, when I talk at the, end, the, the top end of the game, top end of the game, there's no negotiables. Um, I, I, this is this is how we do things, and this is how we're going to do them. Uh, and and obviously you recruit according to that, and uh, you play by that. And I use the um, 
the example of Pep Guardiola earlier as an example uh, alongside many others, you know, top coaches in the world. And, and that's, that's exactly when it, when it comes into it. But if we're talking about youth level again, I go back to the beginning, you know, it's all about flexibility. It's all about, I think, calling it blueprint or calling it whatever it is, uh, a game model. Um, it is not the right, for me, probably not the right term. Uh, it's probably, I think it should be called something else. Maybe a philosophy, or like you spoken about the principles of play and, and teaching them the basics of the game and understanding of the how to deal with the chaotic nature of the game without having to actually restrict them within, you know, these kind of boundaries, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. But then I'm, I guess the question I would have for you then is obviously, if, you're not, if I'm not looking at this, I'm, you know, I've got a club, I've got a pathway that I'm trying to develop where players are coming through, whether that be at a professional level, whether that be at a lower professional level, or even just a semi-professional level, or any level rather. If they don't have that as a blueprint, and yes, I get what you're saying in terms of allowing them to be flexible, allowing them to be adaptable and whatnot. But fundamentally, if we're preparing them along the pathway, the game model gives us a sense of direction, surely. Um, I, I don't know why we call it a game model, to be honest with you. I, yes, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, this term is quite a fancy term, which has been used quite a lot. Um, I look at a lot of stuff online and, and, and everybody's calling things game model, this, that, the other. And I my belief and my understanding is game model is is something that is unchangeable something that is uh, uh, yes it is adaptable but is unchangeable while we're talking about youth football we shouldn't be talking about game model i think we should be talking about something a bit more watered down which is i'll go back to the basics which is we're talking about you know a philosophy uh, a, a belief a way how you know a way of developing players or or, or helping players uh, uh, gain a better understanding of the game Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, you're there. Yeah, I'm here now. Sorry, apologies. I know I thought it was quiet for a second, but yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from. I was just thinking to myself, you know, as they get older, they obviously can't just be. It's not just about at some stage through that journey begins to be less about development, right? Or rather, there starts to be a balance or a trade-off where it's actually development as well as what you can actually implement. And sometimes you can get players and I'm sure you've been there yourself where players can follow your instructions and they can they can do it as they need based on what you or rather do what you want as they need um, in a way that actually they don't necessarily see the development process they, have, they haven't actually they haven't actually consciously learned anything from it it's just following an instruction and that's obviously where the piece comes in right because Fundamentally, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, what you're saying is that we just want to work on developing the players so that they can fit into whatever system they go into. But if the system they're going into, it, it looks like it's going to be, I don't know, Slar FC. And Slar FC has a way of playing which we want to prepare the players for. So, you know, I guess I'm just trying to, I'm trying to really push on the idea of when do we start giving them that clear guideline, and clear focus around this and not and moving away from the the pure element of flexibility and adaptability on a development standpoint, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think flexibility and adaptability uh, stays with you for uh, until uh, you know uh, until until you die, basically. You know, as a player, as a coach, you always got to be flexible. You always got to be uh, uh, you know adaptable. Um, you know what what I'm trying to say is that if you are going to let them what Gerard used earlier on specialize, you know. In, in very young age, and, and, and I think these type of game models 
they actually encourage, in my opinion, they encourage people just to stick within the few boundaries that they put. And then obviously everybody's got to play by that. Yes, you might water it down a bit. Yes, you might strip it back a bit for the youth, young players or foundation phase players. But essentially, you're actually still restricting them somehow. And I believe, you know, giving them a bit more freedom to express themselves and to play and to, to, to because as, as, we, as we know, the game is moving towards different dimensions in the next 10, 15 years. It's not going to be the same game that we're seeing now. It's not going to be the technical. I mean, when I was growing up, it was about technique, technique, technique. And then all of a sudden, you got the era of the 90s and, and 2000 and, and so on, the millennium. And everybody started talking about, you know, the tactics and the genius tactics. And I think the game is moving in a totally different direction now. It's all about the psychological side of the game. And in order for you to develop that, you've got to create independent operators, decision makers, and so on. And this can only happen within, uh, you know, allowing the players less restrictions. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a blueprint, but that blueprint, I cannot call it a game model at youth, youth age. Um, again, you know, the time or, or, or when to implement it or when to have a game model, in my opinion, I think it should be a very senior level or maybe PDP at, at best. And, and it has to be a very, very high level as well. It's got to be high level. It's got to be top elite level. Um, that, that's my belief. You know, I, I fully get what you're saying. I think it's quite interesting because obviously, you know, within that, then you have to ask yourself, right, well, fundamentally what you said is game models should only be used in elite environments. Um, I guess the challenge to that would be, you know, what about the players who are not quite in elite environments yet or the coaches who aren't in elite environments just yet um, but are working towards moving into those? You know, where do they where do they start to kind of blend that in? Do they blend it in? You know, based on what you're saying, it's almost like, no, they shouldn't. They should only should, be done at elite levels. I don't know if that's what you're trying to say or whether that, whether you can offer any additional insights on that. Yeah, um, I'm not saying it should should only be done at a higher, highest level. What I'm saying is I think it should be implemented at the highest level. It should not be something that everybody's using. And if you are not, you know, if you're not at that level, you shouldn't be, obviously, if, you, if you've got players who are struggling, and I don't believe players will struggle at a level where you're talking about, you know, Arsenal or Manchester City or or Bayern, whatever, you know, uh, and, the, and the 18s and the, and the 19s or 23s, whatever they call them, they will struggle to actually adapt because, you know, they're there in the first place because they're good enough to be at that level. Um, all I'm talking about, I'm talking about the lower level of the game, you should not really, we should not have something called uh, game model. I think you could have it with the older age groups, maybe, maybe, with a lot of flexibility, but you cannot really call it a game, uh, a game model because a game model, for me personally, my understanding, and I could be wrong, it could be just the way that you want to play. There's no negotiables. Yes, there is a flexibility inside it. There's a lot of components you can change and chop and change, but that's ultimately the way you want to play. So for, for you to implement that, you need to have the tools to play with. You need to have the profiles to actually fit within that system. Otherwise, we cannot call it a game model. It's not a game model anymore. Uh, can I just jump in real quick? Sure. But I've just got to... We've just finished that file. I've got another one. But I think it all comes down to understanding. So, to me, the game model, if you like, is... And it might be semantics, and people might not like the terminology of the word, but when I think about a framework, and I've worked with grassroots players, I'm working with grassroots players, working with academy players, right through to international, I don't think it's only to elite... I think it's, as long as it's, 
and we're going to cover this with me and Yaz later on in the webinar. Is it that flexibility within a framework? Now, if it's a rigid structure and it's we only play like this and this is how we do it, perhaps that's different. And I could agree with some of the things you said because you're right, right? But if we've got a structure where it's actually there's fluidity and it's based on principles. So when we have the ball, how are we breaking lines? How do we find the free player? How do we play forward? When we lose a ball, how are we protecting the centre of the field? How are we disciplined? How are we trying to regain the ball? How are we setting traps? What are the principles within that and the sub-principles? And it doesn't mean we have to coach or over-drill the players or over-coach the hell out of them. But what it means is that you're creating a framework or an identity. And this is what, you know, I've done it everywhere I've gone. I, I, don't, I didn't always call it a game model. I know it seems to be the new buzzword, I guess. But there was a clear identity in how we played. You know, I've just coached these boys, like, today, working with some of the grassroots players. But there's a very clear identity in how we build the attack. Now, that's important. And I think, but there's flexibility. It's not we only play this way. And that's where we're going to cover this on the webinar. Is like, you know, are you one of those coaches where you're wedded to your model or your philosophy or your principles? It's like we never change irrespective of who we play. Or have you got a philosophy where we adapt based on the players? Like the players can operate in their own genius and operate under unpredictability. I just wanted to add that point. You know, you guys continue to share your thoughts. I just wanted to add that point for my two cents, if you like. Yeah, I think I think it's a good point, John. I think for me though, I'm just looking at it and thinking to myself, well, if there is a clear idea on how we want to do things, whether that's you know breaking the lines or how we how we recover our possession, how we get back into shape, or whatever that looks like, surely that is rigid in itself, right? Because we we're, we're limiting the players by saying this is how we want to get it done. Um, and I think I think that's probably the point that Slaw was really leading to in that the, the word you know, it probably is semantics at this point, but you know the, the, the word model in itself. Would suggest that this is this is how we want things to be done, and this is the only way we want things to be done because it is a model, right? It's a representation of what we want to achieve in terms of the way we play, both in and out of possession or in any other areas of the game. Whereas I think, you know, coming to your point, you know, and I, again, it's just, it just makes me think again. You know, at what age should we really start bringing this in? Because should we really be getting under you know foundation-based players, if you like? Um, operating in a certain way, yes, there's some guidelines, but I think maybe this is where, again, semantics, right? Because if we're looking at a structure, we're looking at guidance, we're looking at principles, and we're looking at fundamentally, well, this is a way to do it. And I think that's the question here: is are we, are we, at what stage do we tell players this is the way rather than this is a way? When does that start to change? And you know, at what stage in, your, in the in the player's development or journey, rather, going from foundation youth development to professional development? And even into senior football, and at what level of the game should we start implementing that that difference and really explaining that and sharing insights on that? Repeat, but I think there's an interesting thing here, which is that you know there's a debate of whether we do we have one, do we need one, what does it look like? And I think that's where we've got to have that clarity in how we work. And I think. You know, a lot of it probably comes down to the common language. And that's maybe something we haven't talked about today. But I was just thinking about this out loud is, do we have a common language in the club of how we want to play? Right? So, like, now I'm watching Silas surfing and pressing 1v1. That's what we want. I'm look, You know, if we say pass position, press position, what does that mean? You know, if we're saying... What a good hook, by the way. 
Um, if we're saying, you know, breaking lines, what does that mean? So, and then what does it look like at the younger ages? Like we use language like empty and fill, um, you know, hide and seek. We'll use certain terminologies like that to represent those movements of how you rotate and things like that. So I think it's one thing for sure, Yaz, we could talk about a lot is the common language. Yeah, most definitely. I think there needs to be that, that, that common language across the group, just so all the coaches and all the players are aligned to it. And obviously, and we've talked about this in the past, where as they go through the age, we start to layer on some more vocabulary, more phrases and more terms in, in, in that. Um, Jared, I'm just conscious of time. Obviously, you know, you've got, your, you've got the final comment up as well. I don't know if there's any last thoughts that you want to add um, before we kind of just sign off and just signpost people to the next uh, space and even the post-reflection task. No, good for me. I think there's been a lot of, um, you know, really good comments made and, and even for the people, who, you know, muted and joined in, it's good. And we are making this really interactive. Um, I think it's good because it's got to be based on the environments that people are working in, right? And then it's good to have disagreements and it's good to have debate. That's what we want these Twitter spaces to be about, right? And it has, you know, we're not always going to agree on everything and I think that's good. And ultimately, it's, what does it look like in your environment and then how can you take concepts from this to improve how you coach your players so that's you know just lasting a couple of cents from me and as you say we've got the development series which is huge over the next few weeks um, webinar on September 19th so can't wait guys 100% guys thank you very much for your time this evening apologies for any of the background noises which, you, which you've been hearing throughout the conversation um, but Make sure you're following myself, Gerard. We'll post it. We'll post a link shortly on the bottom of this space so that you can complete the post-reflection task as well. Take care, guys. Have a great evening, and we'll be back next week. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.